Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Talitha Phillips, described as the heartbeat of Clearest Health. She first came to the organization as a client who witnessed the organization's life-changing work firsthand. As CEO, she is in charge of vision casting, leadership, program development, strategy, and fundraising. And we are excited to have her here and hear all about the work that Clarice Health is doing. So with that, hello, Talitha. Welcome to the show. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yes. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start off with, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So I am... Um, gosh, where to start? I'm a mom of two. Um, I have two little girls and um, I'm also a doula. So in addition to working at Claris, I'm a labor and a postpartum doula. So I have my you know, hands in a lot of different things, all semi, semi-related. Um, my oldest is 12 and she's a bio, my biological daughter. And then we adopted um, my younger one, Adeline. She is now eight. So have been through, you know, both of those um, just incredible birth journeys and birth stories. So I loved your podcast and just love all of that as a doula, but also as a mom. And then, yeah, we'll run Claris and live in Los Angeles and have a puppy and all the, all the things. Yes. Don't forget our, our other children, our pet children. Yes. <laughs> they keep us moving as well. Um, so as a, you, you also mentioned your postpartum and birth doula, um, before we jump into, was this something that you did before you jumped into Claris or was this something that happened after that? It actually happened at the exact same time. So I had a friend who was pregnant and just as a friend, she said, you're a super calming person at the time. She was like, my husband is not that. And so I'd love somebody in the (laughs) room with us that, you know, could bring a little bit of that. And so I just went through the birth with her as a friend and a nurse at the hospital said, you should, you should become a doula. You're, you're really great at this. And I had no idea what a doula was. Um, This was in 2001, so a long time ago. And so I searched it, found a training. And so at the time when I started working at Claris, I think I I started in May of 2001 and I did my doula training also in May. So sort of parallel tracks. And then I ended up getting a postpartum job working for an actor for about um, six months with twins. And so started the postpartum. They just did it all at once, did it all at once. So it was great. That's typically how it happens. <laughs> yes. And I, yes. I, I think for many of us who go into birth work, it's always great when our friends let us um, do that. And I think for many of us, we are, before we even get the title of doula, have done that work to support them and then find our ways like, oh, this is actually something I'm good at and I really enjoy doing. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So passionate about it and didn't you know, you didn't, I think sometimes you don't even realize how passionate you are until you start, you know, having the privilege of being there and seeing what it means to be an advocate and, right. you know, to help people either use their own voice or to, you know, so to sort of bring that out of them or to, you know, I think as a 
as a doula or any labor support person, you see things that sometimes you don't see. And now have, you know, I was a doula for, um, six years before I had my daughter. Mm. And so then when it was me, I realized, oh, this is what it's like on the other end. <laughs> you know, to have, I had a doula, of course, you know, yes. I had so many people. Yes. I wanted all these, all the voices in the room to help through that. So yes, absolutely. Um, so you gave us a little bit of snippet of the connection to Claris, but how did you get involved um, with Claris House? I first heard about Clarice when I was in college and I had a, a past pregnancy, um, a termination experience that I had gone through and a pregnancy loss and had really struggled with how fast I made that decision and sort of the reasons why and had never processed that. So when I learned about Clarice, I had learned that they you know, were this organization that really helped women regardless of what choice they had made. And so I ended up, they had a support group for women to talk through their experiences. So I joined and it was so life-changing to me. I was, you know, really young and um, just to be in another room, I think I thought I was the only one with that experience. And so to see I wasn't alone and to talk to other women and it was a really incredible, very healing experience. And then I thought I'm going to graduate college and go on and I had loans, you know, and I'm going to get a job. And, um, but this little place kept coming up and really, I have three brothers. So the thought of working in women's health was just never on my radar. I was thought I'd have a bunch of boys and I would be like a boy mom. And here I am like a girl mom working in women's health as a doula as well. Like everything is so different yep. than what I expected but I love it. And so it wasn't something I set out to do, but having experience being on sort of the, the client or patient end and just seeing how well they cared for me and just no judgment and just such an incredible space um, ended up sort of drawing me there. And then, you know, at the time we were a super small organization. Our budget was like 90,000. We weren't a medical clinic. We were just a small organization. And so now to see where we've come, we haven't lost the essence of allowing people to, in a sense, do what your podcast is doing, just the power of sharing your story and the power of somebody listening and helping you process and creating sort of safe spaces. So there's still a lot of that, even though we do a lot more. The word Claris actually means clarity and brightness. And so our, our mission is to bring, um, to bring sort of clarity and care to women and families before, during, and after pregnancy and sexual health choices. And so the, the idea of like being there in some of those hard moments where it can feel confusing and overwhelming. And so to bring clarity and then to provide care and, and really just the before, during, and after for women and their families. And so that means we do medical services. So we actually do pregnancy testing. We do. Um, we recently, about a year and a half ago, launched a prenatal care program called Centering Pregnancy, where it's group-based prenatal care, which you may be familiar has been um, one of the proven methods to help sort of attack some of these high rates of infant and maternal mortality um, to provide this group-based care. We do therapy, so tons of mental health services. We have a parenting program. We do court-mandated classes for family reunification. We do doula, you know, we have volunteer doula support, childbirth education, 
Um, and then we do the pregnancy loss support. Um, we do adoption support. So we're really there primarily to walk with women and then their families through these decisions. And so um, that's the basic, we also do sexual health education. And so we have a lot of, we have a mobile medical clinic. We have a lot of different things, but as far as like keeping it on just the, the birth side or the, the, the women's health side, those are some of the primary services. Got it. Got it. Covering everything. <laughs> Covering. Yeah. Very holistic. Yeah. Very comprehensive. Um, you know, the physical and the emotional We Yes. We're big believers that, you know, you may walk in for a pregnancy test, but you're also walking in with all of the things and, and, Casework, I guess, would be the technical term, but it's more about we ask you women, you know, we have a decision aid and just says, you know, what are you considering today and, and how can we help and what are some of the things that, you know, are influencing your decision? You'll often find out there's a housing need, there's prenatal care, or they need care, but they, they're not happy with the care that they're receiving. And so our advocates really, you know, help with all of those needs. So if you need a place to live, we're not just going to give you a list of housing. We're going to call for you and help you get in if you need um, food, if you need, you know, diapers, wipes, um, you know, all, all sorts of anything. We just sort of make a list and then we try to help meet those needs with you. So. You know, I think that's so important because, you know, there's this idea you get pregnant and you just go into the appointment and you're like, okay, let's confirm that I am pregnant. But I think starting the conversation off with what do you actually need <laughs> allows you to kind of get a real sense of how can I best support you through, through, what, through this present moment of your, your journey. Um, and sometimes that might be not focusing necessarily on the fact that the individual is pregnant, but housing or food which, or um, support with deciding whether they want to proceed with the pregnancy or not like starting there is the best way to give the best care um throughout that whole entire process so i really love that that's like the beginning of the conversation is that it's layered like we're not you know all the time we say this we're not monolithic people and our experiences are not monolithic either <laughs> so Definitely. being able to identify in this present moment what do you need Yep. That's yes. an important point, Laurel, that just because a woman has a positive pregnancy test, that doesn't mean that it's this throw out the balloons and confetti mm -hmm. moment for that person in that time, right? Yep. So it's like for some women, it's like the thing they've been waiting for. And then for some other women, it's like, how am I going to do this? Right? Yeah. So, and all the other things in between that. Yes. And we see a lot of women that are in that camp of how am I going to do this? And it doesn't always mean they don't want to do it. it. It sometimes means they don't feel equipped to do it. And it sometimes means they don't want to do it. You know, it, they're, they're really, every story is so unique. But I think sometimes if you just focus on the physical needs, you miss the, but what's actually underneath the surface, you know, is it that she doesn't feel like she can do it? Or, and you know, does she need support? Or is it, you know, really more of feelings of, I don't think I can, or I don't want to, you know, there's just multiple layers, so. 
right and that woman could be so many different women right it it could be a married woman with three kids who's like can i do a fourth it could be the single woman who has none no children yet you know and it's just we we all are walking a different journey um and it doesn't matter what your circumstances are some of us all still have the same feelings you know that are mirrored regardless where you are in the journey Oh, that's such a good point, Danny. <laughs> such a good point. Yeah, I think sometimes people have this understanding of, you know, an, you say unintended pregnancy and they picture, you know, a 17-year-old girl. Yep. You know, and but the truth is, I mean, we see women who are in their late 40s and it's an unintended pregnancy. Um, or she may have all those same feelings and concerns. And so exactly. I think you bring up such a good point. And it's not always the first pregnancy. Right. You know, and so those are, yes, yeah, very important. Uh, so you, you um, described about like what the organization provides to families. How do they get connected with you? How um, is it like a referral base or um, yeah. How do they, how do they find you all? They, they're, many different ways most in the past most people found us actually online searching for a friend so a lot of people will say my friend went here and she told me that she loved it had such a great experience and uh, but now over the past four years we've built a network of community partners and so we're in los angeles where um there are a lot of agencies doing a lot of different things and we're just big believers in not reinventing the wheel but working together and so we've built this network of over 200 community partners so now a large percentage of the women and families we serve are referred from other agencies so that has been really neat where you know we might get a referral from an anti-trafficking organization and then we provide you know std testing and care and then we're able to send her you know then we are able together to find her housing so working sort of in this partnership with or in this you know collaboration so that has been the a, a huge percentage we also have so our we have organizations in different parts of the city. So we have a West Los Angeles organization and then we are a clinic and then we have a South Los Angeles clinic. And so a lot of our partnerships are in different communities and the needs often, I mean, I I always want to be careful. I think a lot of times the needs are are very much the same. And I think a lot of people will say, oh, the needs in this community are different than this. Ultimately the emotional needs are often the same, but there are unique circumstances that individuals face and so like our centering groups are in South LA there's a bigger need we serve a large African-American and Latino population at our Linwood clinic in South Los Angeles Um, in West Los Angeles we have a there's just a different population so tailoring those and really just sort of building networks in each community so that people are are well cared for is has been big and then we do still have we take walk-ins which is huge during, you know, during this pandemic, a lot of organizations have had to close um, either by choice or they've been told. So a lot of the government agencies that we work with are completely shut down. So we get now, we get referrals from several of the social service agencies that are government funded that have shut their doors. And so now we're providing things we didn't used to provide. We're, we have a food distribution program. We have a hygiene kits. We're driving our mobile 
we turned our mobile health clinic for a while into a food distribution vehicle and diapers and wipes and we drive into housing communities and we provide so we've pivoted to where the needs of the community are and which has been great that's one of the benefits of being a nonprofit and not a government funded organization is we're able to pivot in a sense and, and meet some of those unique needs in the community right um and i love the community um focused of needs and partnering with people who are already like set up and have connections with the community one i think it gives you a real picture of what's actually needed um but then i think it allows you to um, build stronger relationships because you're working with the people who've already been invested in our like involved with that community so you mentioned some of those shifts and changes that are happening because of COVID 19. um do you have upcoming events or anything that the community can be involved in we do so um it's been it's been an interesting season and as you know some people are now comfortable going out others we were able to keep our medical clinic open this entire time which was really great um we did have to shut down our classes so like the, the prenatal care hasn't been a physical group it's been zoom groups and then they come in one-on-one -on -one for their visits we have been very vocal about just the importance of continuing care and making sure that especially if you're pregnant that you do receive care um and so we've we've found some creative ways to do that but as far as events we've um, partnered with so we're now in the city of linwood and so we've been going into linwood watts compton and then downtown and we um, are doing these sort of distribution days and so a lot of volunteers have found creative ways to get involved so one like we've had people that are making hygiene kits so they'll get to they'll either go to an Amazon wish list or they'll order, order the items and have them sent. And then some groups are getting together and they're building these kits. We've had several people come with us. So we did a food distribution in Linwood and we had, I mean, I think there ended up being about a hundred volunteers handing out, I think we fed, um, I want to say almost 10,000 people received a box of produce and then we had diapers and wipes and we had a coffee company come and it just really, everything we do is we don't just want to give you the food we want you to know that we care about you in the way that we give you the food you know so everything is very relational which has been hard in a pandemic you know to you lose a little bit of that so we're trying to find ways to not do that so we do we have about three times a month we're doing that and then we're going into various housing communities with food insecurities and and things like that more frequently and just building relationships and being there um, for them so if anybody wanted to come we definitely have opportunities There's also opportunities for you to gather in smaller groups like I said and make kits or do a diaper drive a mom's group that I'm involved with just did a diaper drive for us and so they had moms they just asked them you know buy a pack of diapers and drop it off on the porch at this house and then we were able to you know assemble those others are in other parts of the country and they're like we'll just buy diapers and wipes and have them sent over um, or even in your own community i mean we're in la but i know in ohio you have communities that are needed in other parts of the country so even thinking about local like where is the need in my community and what can i do because i don't i'm not so sure everyone realized 
you know, when you were going to the store and the racks were empty, you know, that affected a lot of people much worse than it affected us. And so going in and just finding where the needs of my community and how could I help and bringing your children. I'm a huge believer as a mom. I want my girls to be involved in these things. I want them, you know, I mean, I take my kids to Uganda, so I, I'm, we're always doing this, but I take them to Skid Row too. And we go to housing communities in Watts and my kids help play with kids and, you know, just do things to realize like there, there's, there are needs in our community and there's needs in Africa and there's needs downtown and there's needs in Watts. So um, finding needs in your community and as a family getting involved can be really powerful. Yes. And so thinking about having the community involved, what's um, the best way to know of events um, or get in contact or be, be involved? So they can, you can go to our website. Um, it's clarishealth.org. And I believe there, I need to double check. I think there's like a volunteer page. I know there's a volunteer page. You could reach out to us that way. And then we actually have a calendar that we send every month. You can also go clarishealth.org forward slash mobile. Um, and then you can sort of see where our mobile clinic is and what we're doing there. Or you can always reach out to me and I can connect you to the right person. And um, we just, we do have an ongoing just list of events um, happening each month. Perfect. We will definitely make sure to put all of that in the show notes so that it's super clickable. <laughs> yes, yes, right. yes. That would be great. Now, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners, any resources or advice or anything else um, about your organization that we haven't already talked about that you want to make sure people knew? Um, you know, I mean, I think I hope, I think one of my hopes is that organizations like Claris would exist in other communities. I do think there is something so unique about just the comprehensive care and thinking beyond just today, but like what would somebody, so like we talked about earlier, all the women in all the different situations, what's she gonna need in three months? What's she gonna need in six months? What could she need in five years? And so like our parenting, you know, we, it used to be zero to two. And then we realized, wait a second, when your child is two, things start getting really hard. You know, we need to, and so how about we, so we changed it to zero to five. And so just being willing to look at what is it that we need, I think as doulas, and we understand that, you know, it isn't just the, the labor that is critical, right? It's also the entire pregnancy and then it's the postpartum. And so thinking about that just in, in the, you know, the, the spectrum of care that we need as women and that other women need as well. And so I think that has been a passion that has been growing of mine. And, and I think as, as we all know, I mean, I'm, I'm a doula, but, and I was supposed to have a home birth, you know, some theme of birth stories and everything in my own pregnancy went crazy at the end. And, you know, I had intrauterine growth restriction. Um, I had a baby that, you know, I ended up having to be induced at 36 weeks. I mean, I had everything and going through that was so helpful because I think in my mind, it was like, I've been doing this for years and, you know, I'm going to have this homework. And I was one of those women that it just it was the ended up being completely not what I expected. But because I was educated and I had a 
doula and I had a team around me, they still fought for each decision. So I would have had a C-section three hours in, but I ended up having a vaginal delivery 37 something hours later because of that. And so I think just the, the importance of having people around us and knowing that we're not alone. I mean, that would be my advice to anyone, um, any woman is just that we're not meant to be alone. And I think in this pandemic, this isolation has been really difficult. We're seeing it from the women that we're meeting with and that, but there's ways to stay connected. And so I would just encourage women to find ways to be there for each other, check in on each other, um, and just know that even if we say we're okay, a lot of times we're not, you know? And so asking good, you know, follow-up questions and just really being there um, for each other is really key. Yes, being in community. Um, and you know, we say here on Birth Stories in Color, postpartum is forever. <laughs> So um, that piece about like thinking beyond what they're going to need after the birth is over is so important because every new developmental stage for the kiddo is going to be a shift for you. And then as you're living your own life is going to be a shift um, as you add or not add more children to your family is going to shift. Um, so being able to have a place of community that can help support you through all of those tra transitions is just really key um, for our families. So, yes. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on here and telling us all about yeah, that. We really you. appreciate it. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys have this platform and I really um, would love to see more of this. I think I, I always recommend to all of my doula clients to listen to birth stories. And I know there's a couple of podcasts. So I'll add you to my Thank list you. Thank because you. I think that is actually more important than reading all the evidence-based stuff is just hearing <laughs> the stories. Cause you, you remember in labor, Oh, there's that one woman that had oh. that prodromal labor that lasted five <laughs> yep. days, you know, and Oh, I'm not going it's crazy. Normal. You know? <laughs> right. It's normal. You'll be okay. So I do. I, I love that. And I just think it, it's so helpful. I mean, it's yes. another way to know you're not alone and, and that no labor is the same, just like no story is exactly. the same. No birth. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great. So I'm excited you're doing this. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 